Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. So in the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. During this new episode of our founder series, we're sitting down with Raphael Guller, co-founder and chief design officer at Sweep. Sweep is a platform for large companies to reduce their emissions, both across the structure of the organization and across the value chain. And one of SWIFT's biggest challenges and main objectives is tackling scope 3 emissions within its customer base. I was very excited to speak with Raphael, who has worked in different designer roles throughout his career as a graphic designer, brand designer, and finally creative director at Zendesk, where he met the rest of his co-founders. Two years ago, inspired by wildfires he experienced on vacation, he joined his co-founders in starting Sweep, which just closed a 100 million funding round in early 2022. In this episode, Raphael walked us through that journey and how he and his co-founders iterated on Sweep and what their catalyst moment was that made them all realize it's all hands on deck for climate. In this episode, Raphael methodically explained the carbon market and how managing carbon within a big business is a matter of data and how you use it. Tackling scope 3 emissions, it's a question of orchestrating among all the big and small suppliers down the line to create a bigger picture of the company's footprint. 
That's what, that is why Raphael prefers the term carbon management to carbon accounting. It's more than measuring, it's understanding what to do with those measurements. With that in mind, Raphael acts as our guide across the carbon landscape, its regulation, market opportunities, and how he uses data to tackle the problem. In the second part of the talk, Raphael gives fundraising tips for SaaS companies along with a glimpse at his work-life balance and what books he read to help maintain that balance. Raphael, welcome to the show. Hi, Raphael. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. I'm super happy to have you here with us today. I believe it's going to be a great opportunity to hear your story and learn more about uh, what you guys are up to with Sweep after this uh, incredible uh, recent uh, fundraising round of uh, 100 million that uh, you guys did uh, recently. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, we've, we've talked for a while, Jim. I'm super happy that we finally made this. Thanks for having us. So before we start, uh, can you give us a 30-second introduction about Sweep? Of course. So Sweep is a platform for large companies to reduce their carbon emissions. And so that's both, you know, in those large companies across their structures, their organization, and across the whole value chain. And so I think, you know, for listeners of your podcast, you might have heard about scope three indirect emissions. That's sort of the biggest challenge um, when it comes to carbon management, and we're trying to tackle that with these smart tooling and so excited to uh, to learn more about it during the uh, during the interview. But uh, as uh, usual, we like to uh, focus on the on the speaker first. So let's start from the from the top. Can you tell us a bit more about your uh, personal story and and background? I mean, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do besides building sweep, which probably takes a, a lot of your all your time? I mean, what makes you feel inspired or like your your best self? As I always ask, who is yeah. Raphael? Yeah, of course. Um, it's kind of tough to answer because I think I'm all over the place. And, you know, if you go on my LinkedIn and you look at my career path as well, <laughs> there's a lot of different steps and they all seem sort of quite random on, the, on their own. And I think also now when you put them together and what we're doing at Sweep, it sort of all makes sense somehow. Um, but, you know, I think I, if I had to answer your question in, in one way, I would say I'm, I'm a designer. You know, I mean, it's very much a lot of my career I've spent as a designer. And, you know, graphic designer moving around pixels at some point. I've, I've, I've designed offices. I've helped design brands, <laughs> sort of the full range. Um, but I think to me, what makes a designer is, is somebody that always is looking to improve things and find ways um, you know, to build things in a better way. And I think that's, you know, across all these different stops I've had, I think that's definitely what was, what was driving me. And yeah, here um, with Sweep as well, because clearly <laughs> that's the, the biggest problem to solve for, for our generation. And yeah, I mean, I, I studied business, right? I um, did business administration. Um, I sort of went into consulting um, eventually for a creative agency. And so I did a lot of brand consulting, marketing consulting, and I sort of moved into doing design myself. Um, and, you know, for, for quite some time, I worked for, for large companies um, on the agency side, you know, helping mini BMW, um, Wimbledon, Turkish Airlines, all sorts of, of consumer um, and lifestyle brands. And then it's about, I think, six years ago now, um, I, I moved into tech um, because I, I joined Zender and I essentially helped them build the Zender's brand team. And so, yeah, I sort of went from business to design and bring this all together. So 
Tell us about like I mean you mentioned that uh, your career and uh, and I was looking at it uh, prior to, to the to the show that uh, it's all over the place and you mentioned that uh, you know from you know design agency and then uh, Northern Desk and uh, I mean all out, out of all of that you know journey uh, professional journey that you had like if you had to step back I mean what would be like the maybe one or two uh, I would say key experiences that uh, really helped you to, uh, you know, start, uh, sweep uh, and, you know, give you, in a way, an edge uh, to start the, the, the company? Yeah, um, I guess I'll, I'll give you three. <laughs> um, and so, you know, growing up, I, you know, I'm Swiss. Um, I grew up in the Swiss countryside, tiny village, 200, 300 people or so, with the forest right behind um, the lake um, just down the road. And I, I was a scout as well. I spent a lot of time in nature. You know, we sort of disappeared into the forest for two weeks in summer. And so I definitely always had this, this strong connection to, to nature and the planet. And, you know, I've moved since to London. I'm based in, in the big city. And I, I guess, a bit like my per personality and my, my um, CV, you know, I sort of like these tensions. I really love the city. Um, but I, I always had this, um, you know, this, this connection to nature in my life and really caring about um, our planets. And then, I mean, I would say, obviously, you know, at, at Zendesk, um, I, you know, I was there for, for almost five years and um, it's where I met my co-founders. And so um, Rachel, Nico and Yannick, um, they, they had started a company previously called Biomanalytics and that was acquired by Zendesk. And that's how we all met. And so obviously that was sort of a, a decisive moment. Um, we you know, we, we were just really good friends first and foremost as well. We sort of tried to engineer projects sometimes that we could work on together, even though we were in quite different departments sometimes. And so I think there was quite clear that we loved together at some point. And then, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we had all sorts of different ideas. And then obviously the climate topic became too hard to ignore. And I would say one of my personal moments um, was I, I go to South of France um, for, for summer holidays. It's, it's my aunt's place. Um, you know, near the beach, near a natural reserve, and you know, as as this year again as well, there's just a lot of wildfires, and so we had, you know, moments where there would be ash raining down, and everything would stink of smoke, and you could see the fires, and it sort of really made this very real and tangible. And so I think that's probably one of the yeah. one of the reasons why we decided to try to solve something for the climate. So do you, uh, I mean, in this example that you uh, that you mentioned now in, in, in that journey, which was like a, this uh, holiday time being uh, being in nature and like, you know, saying just like uh, well, directly, you know, I would say touching the, the climate change like uh, effect on, on, on nature and on, and on the planet. Like what besides that one have been maybe your, you know, driver and key haha moment that you could define as such to really jump uh, from the service tech industry as Zendesk to uh, to the more like climate tech uh, industry as we call it today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm a bit of a news junkie. You know, I read the news all <laughs> all day long. Uh, I get up in the morning, I read the news. I get up to bed, I read the news. And so obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's gotten, and I guess it's also, you're sort of, live, we all live in our bubbles. Um, but the one I'm in was just very dominated by climate. Um, so I think that's that's definitely a driver as well. And you know, I'll be honest. You now, when we when we started talking about maybe you know starting a business together with my co-founders, we had all sorts of ideas. And actually, one of my co-founders, Nico, at some point talked about a travel app. He thought the Spotify for travel, and you know, you should get sort of really um, you know good recommendation recommendations based on where your friends have gone, and make that really a simple, good experience. 
And so we had other ideas. And I think it was also Rachel at some point. I mean, she has two kids. <laughs> and she was like, no, there's no way we can get people to travel more. We need to actually try to be part of the solution. I think that was a, you know, definitely a big piece as well. And you know, I'm, so, I, I'm so grateful. I, you know, obviously, I love my time at Zendesk. We had a great team there. We, we did some amazing work. But you know, getting up every morning and knowing that what you work on is so critical and so relevant is like definitely recommend moving into climate if you're not yet. Definitely. Before we start um, going into the into details about about Sweep, we'd like to kind of like I was mentioning before the interview, zoom out uh, and kind of understand the overall context of that you are surfing on. So let's try to get your overview of the what we call uh, today this carbon accounting uh, landscape. Uh, I'd like to start like with your insight, maybe regarding the the type of sectors and industry which are in the most in need to deploy and, and use uh, carbon accounting solutions. Uh, if you could tell us, you know, who are the, the, the main users today of carbon accounting solutions uh, in general? Uh, so not specifically only your your uh, your clients, but if you you know can have a, a larger view on the on the market in itself, what is eventually like the, the percentage that they, they represent uh, today in terms of like you know um, use or adoption? I would say into the into the market. Uh, and, and, and which type of, uh, of industry and maybe what are their, their motivation to, uh, to jump in and start to really use a solution like yours? Yeah, I love to unpack here. So I think, I mean, first of all, I just want to get this out of the way. I, I don't really love the word carbon accounting so much. Um, you know, it, I mean, it's definitely, you know, part of what we do at Sweep as well. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can't manage what you can't measure, et cetera. It, it, it's a core function um, of what we're trying to, to enable companies to do. But, if you purely focus on the accounting, you know, you sort of lose out on the most important bit, which is taking action and actually reducing. So, you know, we sort of prefer the term carbon management because um, it, it's a bit. And yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I think in the end, every single company will have to tackle this, right? And we'll have to deal with it. And, you know, it's because, you know, obviously, you know, the investors demanded, the customers demanded, the government started to mandate it. There's certain companies that will feel more pressure, that will be more hit. Um, but also inevitably, I, you know, we, we see carbon very much as a network problem and no companies on its own, right? Our economies are intertwined, our value chains are intertwined. And so if some companies are starting to get the most pressure initially, they'll have to engage with other companies in the network though, and it will sort of trickle down. So we, you know, even in, in how we build Sweep, we try to be agnostic to specific industries. We definitely, you know, maybe have more traction than some than others right now, but we know that inevitably the data needs to flow across all industries because everything is connected. I think that's, that's for me, it's quite important to know. Um, having said that, I mean, obviously there are certain industries that feel more pressure. I think, you know, finance is definitely um, getting, getting a lot of it. You know, in, investment companies, um, you know, see that they will start, you know, to become tricky for them if they invest in, in, in dirty companies. Um, and, and so I think there's definitely a lot of pressure coming from there. There's also, I think, just companies that, you know, where their business activity is sort of inherently linked to emitting carbon. I think they're the ones, maybe if they look ahead of it, they're starting to see the pressure coming. Um, whereas, you know, if you're, if you're a tech company and, and most of your sort of immediate emissions are, you know, sort of travel, I think you might feel a bit less pressure. But again, I, I think at some point, you know, every company from big to small and because I mean, and in terms of 
at market adoption today, what do you what do you guys see in terms of data? Are we like really far, far from um, you know a quarter of the market adoption? I mean, like just at the beginning of this uh, this this movement, or how do you see this? Uh, and 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 what is maybe the the acceleration behind, if any? Yeah, I mean, to, this is quite subjective, but to me, it feels like we're sort of right on the tipping point. We, you know, when we started talking about Sweep, we were surprised. Why is nobody doing this? You know, from a <laughs> from a startup point of view, from a tech point of view, but then also why aren't companies doing this? And it, it's completely changed, right? And so I think, I really think this year is sort of where everybody is starting to look around and, and you know, sort of try to do a bit of research and then next year is when, you know, all the big companies are going to fight. Yeah. And so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think, so I think we're sort of at the tipping point and we see it, you know, with Obviously, we're scaling our sales team and, you know, the, the amounts of leads that are coming in now, we really see it accelerating. And um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's super exciting and important that that's happening. So in, in terms of, uh, of, of challenges and, and opportunity that you, you see in the, you know, do you see in the market to accelerate the, the carbon management, as you mentioned, uh, solution deployment? I mean... Do you think that what are the regulations currently in place that are in a way pushing that uh, that market uh, towards you know accelerating this uh, those solution like like yours? Uh, or is there any solution that I mean any regulation uh, that are missing that should be put in place to really like really uh, you know accelerate that? I mean what is, what is blocking and slowing it down uh, to allow this you know carbon uh, management or carbon accounting uh, to go uh, to go mainstream? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're, I think for us, it's a strength that we're doing this out of Europe. Right? We're a French company. Um, we, you know, we're remote first, so we have people all across Europe and, and the States and some other places now. But we're doing this out of Europe, where I think regulation is actually more advanced than in, in other places. And so we see it in France. Um, in the UK, Switzerland is, you know, is, is, is um, working on legislation, but it's really coming where it's going to be mandated that particularly larger companies for starters and most of these legislative systems will have to report on their carbon emissions. Um, but, you know, even in the States now, there is um, the SEC, you know, that's uh, the government body that man and that sort of regulates um, public companies in the States. Um, they are just working on a piece of legislation that should come into effect soon that will mandate public lists of companies to report on their carbon as well. And there it's going to be the CFO, right, that is essentially going to be in charge of that reporting as well. So I, I think you know it's it's really coming um, in all markets from all fronts now. I think that the biggest challenge, and and I think where hopefully legislators will start going further, is again the scope, right? That's the indirect emissions, the shared emissions, and we, we see it in the states again as well. Now there's a lot of pushback on um, you know clear rules on that specific part. And I think that's where you know we'll really have to focus. And I think in many ways, you know, us as um, tools, us as tech companies, it's our role now as well to show the regulators that it's possible, that you can track your carbon, that it is not this this dream <laughs> that everybody's talking about. And that will also, I think, empower them to legislate more quickly. So uh, according to you, which sector of the uh, economy in a way or the industry, I mean, do, do you see it's extremely hard or difficult to, to deploy like accurate, you know, accounting solution in a way or management, carbon management solution that can really take uh, into account the, the, the real emission and contribute to the, the fight of, uh, of climate change? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many layers to the problem, right? I think <laughs> so. I'll just maybe try to unpack a few. But I mean, as as a baseline, I think you know a lot of companies are starting to measure. You know, often they they hire a consultancy. You know, they go away for a few months. They crunch a lot of numbers in a spreadsheet, and then they sort of hand over the spreadsheet and the report. And it's it's a bit of a black box for a lot of companies. Um, and you know, it's it's just not actionable, right? It's it's not really part of sort of the, the the business muscle of the company to deal with that and then also implement change. And so I think the, the, the biggest challenge there is that we move from this sort of being a, a passive little tucked on thing that, you know, somebody in your CSR team has to deal with to this becoming a core business function that sort of runs across the company. And, you know, that obviously tooling is a, is a big part of that and it, it empowers companies to do this at scale and do it effectively and do it transparently and do it efficiently. But yeah, it's also, I think there's definitely sort of this, this shift in, in how the task is seen. And uh, you know, the company, some of the companies we work with now, and I think some of the most forward looking ones realize that this will become a day to day business practice that you have to embrace. So I think that's one piece. Um, I'll try not to be too long, but I think there's sort of different challenges for different sizes of companies. Right? I think, it, you know, obviously, if you're a big multinational and Understanding and acting on carbon is a lot about how you understand your business data, right? Every single action you do as a business can increase or decrease the carbon emissions you emit. And so if you're a big company, it's a lot about finding ways to understand that data at scale, manage it at scale, and to manage tasks and delegate tasks at scale as well. And so there it's a lot about, you know, disparate data systems in different locations for completely different types of activities and how do you bring that all together? Whereas if you're a smaller company, it might be more of a researching problem, right? You, if you're only 100 people and you can't just suddenly hire a full department that you know, manages your, your climate strategy, um, there's, there's things to figure out there. So I think depending on the size of company and then also obviously the industry you're in, there is sort of different challenges on scale as well. Again, I think the, the, the biggest challenge is how do you orchestrate across all that because it's all interconnected, right? Big companies have small suppliers and big suppliers, <laughs> and we need to bring this all together. So to, to close this uh, this section, you know, as everyone knows, there's always some like controversy around like uh, carbon offset solutions and, um, you know, uh, asking you a little bit more your opinion on that sense, because it's, uh, uh, I would say, like the end of the value chain of what you guys are, are doing. So so according to you, what is the impact of, uh, you know, that carbon offset uh, could have on, on slowing down climate change? Is it something necessary and achievable or is it more like a buzz or greenwashing tool that uh, in a way big emitters can leverage to still emit and not really perform the necessary changes to decarbonize their infrastructures or assets? Yeah, um, yeah, it's that. That's the big question, right? <laughs> and I, so this one, I think there's. I'll have to do a bit, I give a bit of nuance um, to to give you our stand. Um, but I think what's interesting to know is, as a little anecdote, uh, you know, when we started Sweep, we wanted to build a carbon marketplace. Uh, we thought, oh, there's all these amazing carbon removal solutions out there. They need to scale. We need to bring this to you know every single company, and we need way more because we're going to run out of credit. Um, or offset. And so that's where we started. And there's still, you know, a piece of the sweep DNA is our marketplace. You know, we have our own team that curates the project, um, you know, that we think um, are really powerful and that need to scale. But we're very careful to not really use the offset work, the compensation work. We call it contribute. 
right? And that sort of goes through, you, know, you might think this is just wording, <laughs> but I think it sort of goes to the, to the heart of it. Words matter sometimes. And so this is such a tough conversation, right? Because there, there's no black and white, really. The reality is we need companies to reduce carbon emissions and we need projects to scale, you know, that can, you know, provide solutions. And so companies should be investing in climate projects in what you might call offsets. You know, we need, we need forests, we need carbon removal, um, like direct air capture to scale, but it can't come, you know, as the only thing companies do. And so we've sweep our stances and that's what we really focus on with a lot of the tooling is first you need to reduce, you need to figure out how you can reduce all your emissions to the max. And then, yes, also invest in projects and help scale them. But it's not either or, and we're quite hesitant to, <laughs> you know, sort of use the simplistic net zero view for the company. Yes, on the planetary scale, but when it comes to companies, the calculation is not, is not that easy. And I'll, I'll just give you two examples maybe to illustrate that a bit, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop. But, I, you know, for example, if you take, you know, you take your, your easy jet flights and you take the little box to plant a tree and it costs you a pound, um, you know, there's there's a few chances why this might not actually do what you think it does. Um, you know, the tree gets planted now, it might grow over the next 20 years, it will absorb the carbon over that time period, even, you know, if it doesn't get filled. And you've emitted the carbon now, though, right? And we know we need to, you know, cut it in half by 2030, and we need to be net zero by 2050. So the temporal thing doesn't really stack up if everybody does it this way. And then there's also, there's limitations to storage, etc. There's many more reasons. And so... Yeah, if everybody thinks we can offset, and that's all we do, we have a big, big problem. We're not going to make it. If everybody reduces and then also invests, that's great. And so we're trying to encourage both. Sorry, that was a very long answer, but you, you did ask him. <laughs> like, no, that, that was the last question. I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there's no like black or white uh, answer to that. It's more about like, what's your opinion? And, you know, as an actor, part of the part of the scene, how do you see uh, this all in a way uh, value chain? Because it's not, uh, as you mentioned, on one side, you're offset, but you keep emitting. Uh, it's really like reducing on one side and on the other side, uh, trying to remove the, uh, the excess and the, the, the part that you cannot uh, definitely like uh, change at first. And hopefully you will be able to do it in the, in the future. So let's go deeper now into, uh, into sweep. I mean, what is the, the, the story behind it? And you already uncovered it a bit uh, during the, the first part of the, uh, of the interview. I mean, who is it for and which gap did you guys identify initially that led you to the current version of Sweep? And uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, you had uh, different uh, ideas uh, prior to that. So I guess as every startups, you went to uh, different numbers of uh, iteration. I mean, what uh, I mean, as I, I, I would like to ask, like, why did Sweep have to exist, uh, you know, back in uh, 2020 when, uh, when you launched it? Yeah. Um, so again, as, as I said, we sort of went through our process and we thought that a carbon marketplace was, you know, our best shot at it. And then, you know, we started talking to companies. We had our first few sort of test customers. And then we just realized that the really hard challenge um, where we can provide the most value is the reduction piece. And it's, you know, it's, as I said, you know, it, it, it's a data challenge. It's a data problem. It's a network challenge. How do you do it across companies? And you know, we, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, my three co-founders um, started a company called Biome Analytics previously. And so that was uh, a data tool. It's all about getting big amounts of, you know, business data into the tooling and then create visualizations and reports. And that got acquired by Zendesk. It's the, the Zendesk analytics tool now. 
And so our, you know, like we, we've spent 10 years learning about how to deal with big amounts of business data. And so we just realized that's where we're strongest. And that's also where we realized that's the biggest challenge for companies. Offsetting is sort of, obviously there's all sorts of challenges there as well, but it's, you know, I think it, it's, it's a bit more straightforward, at least on the, you know, the company side that buys the offsets. Um, but then, yeah, how do you actually understand your impact and reduce that across um, the networks that would and so we, we moved into that. Again, we, we still believe in the, in the full journey, you know, as per the, the contributions conversation. Also, we, we provide, you know, your management across the full journey, you know, measuring and reducing it and then contributing. But we went into, into that piece. And yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of startups and also big players in that space now, which is, I think is, is proof that it's, that it's, it's a, valid, a valid sector. Um, but back then, it, there wasn't anybody, no. We were really wondering why are we doing this. So on the product side, and maybe you uh, would love to have uh, and you are the, the product guy as well, uh, or at least on the, the you mentioned you're, you're a designer, so uh, you probably contribute a lot to the, the user experience and the and the flow of the of the product. So how does it work? Like what type of emission uh, do you have to, to, to calculate, to understand? How long does it take uh, in average to, to get on board uh, for a company? I mean, which are the, the type of, uh, of reporting and data uh, that, you, that you provide? And, and where is uh, SWEEP available? You mentioned that uh, in Europe, uh, is it Focus Europe right now, uh, the US? I mean, if you could help us, uh, you know, to visualize the, the whole process and understand your uh, secret sauce. Yeah, of course. Um, so SWEEP is global, right? I mean, we're, we're a SaaS tool. Right? We get it on subscription. And despite default, you know, the internet is global. Um, so, so is SWEEP. And, and that was a very conscious decision from the get-go, right? I, so I'm, I'm, I'm Swiss, London-based. Um, I, I speak French, but it's, it's not my native language. Um, you know, all of my other co-founders are French. The company is incorporated in France. So we always decided that, you know, we're proud to be based out of Europe. We think it's sort of a strategic um, advantage for us to do this out of Europe. But we're an international company. And that's because you know, the problem is global. And you know, quite quickly, also, we realized that it's large companies, and that's kind of a, a broad term, but I, how we sort of break this down is, you know, companies that, you know, for them, carbon is critical, and, and companies with, with large networks, you know, they're, they're our audience, and, and really, you know, why we go after them is because we think they'll be the ones that has sort of, you know, the network effect built in that will get us to reduce at scale more quickly. And you know, just to unpack that a bit, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we work with um, HP, right, HP Inc. Um, and, you know, big, big tech company, big footprint. And obviously they have all their um, targets and they're, they're, you know, they're really sort of a leader in, in climate action stuff um, over the years. And one of their goals is to reduce um, their carbon emissions across their value chain by 50%. So that is, for example, their distributors, the distributors of the product, right? And so now you have hundreds and thousands of business partners and they, you know, they might be really big companies. They might be really small companies all around the world. And to get your emissions down, you need to help them to get their emissions down. Right. And so really early on, and we've been really lucky that we got to, to work with companies like HP or, or Sangoban, which was big footprints and really sort of, you know, advanced teams in houses while working on this. Um, to figure out how we can do that at scale. And so you can see that, you know, if you get one of these companies and you manage to get, get them 
to influence their networks and their partners, you start creating these ripple effects where one company, <laughs> you know, sort of Im imposes targets on, on the next company. And right, that's my, my long answer to tell you why we really from the beginning went, you know, after large companies with big network effects. And you know, I mean, for a startup, you know, we're, we're good two years old now. It, it's tough, right? Because out of the box, you know, you want to speak and sell to these really large companies with a lot of processes and you know, sometimes things take a bit longer. So it was sort of a, you know, we knew we sort of were setting ourselves up for a real challenge <laughs> out of the box to do that, but we've also done it very well. And how long does it take to uh, onboard a, a company that uh, that's that's scared? I mean, several months, weeks, or is the, the product allows to uh, really like speed up that, or because it's still the initial you know version of uh, of Sweep? Like, how how does it work in terms of uh, onboarding those uh, larger accounts? Yeah, um, I mean, it's probably the thousandth version of Sweep, by the way, because we we essentially ship every day right? the bigger features in certain um cadences but yeah every day we push features um and and improvements to the product and also how we work is we usually find you know one or two customers um that have you know a problem that you know fits what we're trying to build next and so we you know, we never build something just for one company i think that's a that's a terrible trap um as, as a software company but we always find real life use cases that help us to, to you know to test essentially to build, build our assumptions and then test and you know ship the first version and then iterate it and so that's what we've done, you know, again, with, with Snagglebar, uh, you know, a big manufacturing company, or, or HP. And to answer your question about, you know, how long it takes, it, it really depends. And and I think there, there's several factors we're going to call. You know, there's obviously, um, you know, the, the project you're working on and, and the ambitions of it. And there's also, though, you know, again, the size of the company obviously is a big driver to how much data um, and how much you have to um, work with, but then also the maturity of the company itself, right? And so we find that some companies out there, really large ones, are really deep in this. They've been running a climate strategy for 20, 25 years. You know, they've been calculating um, for years. They have, you know, initiatives internally to reduce and essentially they're the experts, right? They're really deep in it. And then there's companies on the completely other side of the spectrum. And, you know, if you're lucky, they might have set a, a, a science-based target. <laughs> And now they're like, oh, okay, so what does it mean? What do we do? Um, you know, you'd be surprised how, how massive companies sometimes, you know, just sort of say, okay, in 20 years time, we'll do this. And then <laughs> they'll, they'll sit down and figure out how to, how to get there. And so I think th there's this massive sort of scale of maturity as well. And that really impacts how you set up a project as well. And so, you know, it can be from, you know, a quick pilot or a company that's really advanced and it's just about getting their data into the system and letting them work with it. And that can be quite quick. Um, but some of our projects might also be you know, a half year timeline or a lot, um, you know, where we sort of ship the first part and then we expand. And, and often we, we like to test it, you know, for one market or for one product or for, you know, one team. And then we learn for that specific company and we figure out how to deploy it. Okay. So focusing on the, on the data, I mean, how do you collect those, uh, those data? Because I mean, I know that it's always like kind of like the, we're going to show you uh, your data, but uh, where do we, uh, you know, collect them? How do we uh, factor them in a way uh, into a system that, again, you can reuse for other type of, uh, of industry? Like, how do you ensure that the quality and, uh, and accuracy? How often uh, are they, in a way, refreshed? Like, I mean, is it live data or is it like uh, uh, you have this uh, monthly batch of, uh, of data? I mean, and, and 
which one of the the one that you're able to to collect today and the one uh, you know in a way that's uh, is still not possible today because of the complexity uh, or the different so data point uh, source that you need to uh, to aggregate together um, tell us a bit uh, a bit more about uh, about that yeah of course uh, another big and important topic um i mean for the frequency i i'll just take this first i think there my personal opinion, or I think Sweet's opinion, is that you need to move to a regular cadence, right? And so currently, how this is done is, you know, again, once a year, the consultants crunch all the numbers and you file the report. And then, you know, you put it in a drawer and you'll do the same exercise again a year later. And, you know, if you've worked for large companies, or I guess for any company, really, you know, if you don't, you know, have something in front of you <laughs> on a regular basis and track progress, you're just not going to care about it. And so, we usually recommend to our you know to our customers to move to a monthly cadence right you know and, and it's i mean a bit like a sales team where you have your quarterly um goals and you work on a monthly sort of check-in and then down to a day-to-day -day frequency and yeah that would be sort of the general the general statement but it really depends because also you know depending on what industry you're in and you know again your type of company your size of company certain things might be more material to you than other things and so I think there's also, you know, in carbon accounting, there's this tendency to try to calculate every single thing and get more accurate across the board. And my take there would be that, you know, I think if you worry a bit too much about the numbers after the comma, you're probably, I mean, in a way you're greenwashing as well because you're wasting time on the details that don't really matter. And so I think it's also important that you, that you look at, hey, these are the five areas where my footprint is really big and where I know I can make a difference. And that's where you hone in and you go more granular. And their detailed data is important, right? Because if you just do some generic sort of some generic benchmarks or estimates, and you, know, you might know that you spent 10 million in a certain area and you see this called emission factors, um, then based ones that just tell you, you know, on average in your industry, if you spend that much on this type of thing, it's probably going to be that much emissions. Right? That can be a quick way to get a sense for things, but then it's not actionable at all, right? What are you going to change? The amount you spend, it's not useful, right? You want to know what are the materials and you know, how much of it and how can I change what I do or what I could use to lower that. So where it matters, where it's important to your footprint, go deep, right? And there it helps you to track properly and also understand where to take action. And then on this sort of long tail of other stuff where you, know, you might have some emissions, but it's not really the bulk of your footprint, don't worry about it too much. It's good to get estimates and it's good to measure, of course. But if you obsess too much over that right away, you're probably not using the energy right. Do you see, like, uh, I mean, based on those uh, existing data that now you have been uh, collecting uh, towards, like, you know, the different uh, different companies, do you see that any, I mean, specific uh, sectors or activities in itself that could be uh, that is similar in different companies where uh, the company in itself is able to uh, take action quickly uh, or uh, in other sectors where uh, it sounds that it's uh, maybe less of a priority or less of interest and where it takes longer to, uh, to take action. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I mean, usually when we you know, embark a new customer, it's, you know, it's very much industry based. Um, and you know, there, there's certain obvious places. Obviously, your energy consumption is <laughs> is really clear. You know, that's a, that's going to be a massive chunk of the And so, yes, it's usually tailored to you know your industry and your types of activities. 
And then again, also, you know, your maturity as a company, what you've already done in the past, you know, maybe you've got amazing long hanging fruit and maybe you've already done all that. So it, it really depends where you are in, you know, what we call it the climate journey as well in, in, your, own, um, <laughs> in your own strategy on that. Journey. But any like specific uh, example that you could uh, that you can mention that you you saw for uh, one or two type of uh, you know of your clients portfolio without naming them? Yeah, I mean I can even mention for, for example Sangoba. You know, is one of our, um, our key customers, and with them, you know, they produce glass and steel. You know, a lot of construction glass Sangoba. So they, in their case, you know, we're really first and foremost working on their um, direct emissions, and so there it's. Their manufacturing plant, right? So they have dozens and dozens of plants around the world, which are of essentially subsidiary, but quite a complex organizational structure. And there it's all about, you know, essentially what they produce and what they sell creates a lot of carbon. So how can they reduce that? So that's that's a strong focus there. And then again, you know, on the other company I mentioned with HP, um, they've done a lot on their own carbon footprint, and it's a lot now about the value chain, you know, the what they buy from other suppliers is in the distribution. And so it's a, it's a very different um, approach in terms of the actions that we work on with them. So coming back a little bit uh, for a minute on uh, the, this founder journey and this product journey that uh, that you had, like what was the initial maybe like challenges that you uh, you guys faced at first uh, to you know onboard the first client and have this uh, initial prototype that uh, was uh, that is V one thousand uh, right now as you as you mentioned. I mean, what how did you overcome like uh, the, the, those? Uh, initial challenges and maybe you can name uh, one or two examples and uh, and as of today like what keeps uh, you up at night um yeah i mean that you know we're very much a, a product company right i mean as i said you know we've we've done software before and we really come into this with a product mind and i you know obviously my background i've done a lot in design and yes i you know i designed the interface um but we're very deep in all the product features ourselves and you know when you when you start you just have to make some assumptions sometimes and just sort of you know you have certain hypotheses that are not you know not maybe particularly <laughs> deeply researched yet but you you just start and you put it out there and you you know you see what works and what it does what doesn't and then you iterate and so i think i mean as i said even just in terms of what we should be and where we can have most impact we sort of have to revise um, our, our assumptions over time, but then also with the product, right? Like there's, for example, one piece in the tool that we call the sweep tree, right? And it's it's essentially an, an organizational diagram, right? It's like this is your company, and these are your can be you know your different business units or your different teams or your different localizations. And so our assumption in the beginning was, you know, currently a lot of this work is done in spreadsheet. It doesn't really scale with large data sets, and it's not. You know, it's usually one person that's the master of the spreadsheet. Um, if that person leaves, nobody knows how to pick it up, and you're not really passing it through the company to take action. Right? So that was re that was our sort of what we saw, and we realized, okay, we need to somehow bring this into the reality of an organization, and we want to move away from this spreadsheet view. So there, we said, you know, it would be nice maybe if we just had an organigram, and you can start seeing the data appear in there, and you can use it to assign tasks and you know make certain departments and certain teams responsible for their carbon. And so that was purely based on, on an idea and some sketching, and we just built that tree and we threw it out there. And it's actually still you know one of the key features in the product now. And so I think you're, you're always in this tension and you're sort of constantly ping-ponging between 
having to be daring and coming up with stuff sort of in a bit of a vacuum, right? <laughs> and then starting to test it and see if it works. And, and maybe maybe move away from it and, and maybe but I think as yeah, I think that's as founders and as designers and product people, yeah, you need to have the courage to sometimes just put a stake in the ground and just make a proposal and then obviously also check in with reality and make sure that what you build also Okay, so f focusing and coming back quickly on the the offset part of uh, of the I mean the product or, or the, the value chain that uh, Sweep can uh, can provide in, in carbon management. So can you tell us a bit more like how do you select the the, the project? How do you ensure that uh, they do what they promised regarding uh, CO two uh, capture or removal? I mean, which one are the most uh, interesting regarding maybe the, the ratio amount of carbon removed speed uh, and the cost uh, per ton of co2 um, and where are those uh, projects uh, located yeah um i'm probably not going to name specific projects for you <laughs> but um you know just just the conversation about where it's at for us again is not necessarily tons of co2 equivalent when it comes to carbon projects right it's important and yes you know some you know companies have certain mandatory requirements where they need to you know work with credits with carbon credits and that's okay but clearly the market doesn't properly work out right? the price of carbon is too low for it to actually make an immediate impact right now and so our take on this is again much less about hey you know i'm as a company emit that much and that's why i need to offset the same amount because it's so hard to know right it's you know, is the tree that you're going to plant still be there in 20 years? Is it going to absorb as much as has been calculated, et cetera? There's a lot of lot of unknowns. And yes, part of it is obviously, you know, there can't be fraud and we need to have checks and balances <laughs> in, in place to be able to manage that. But the secondary piece is, I think we just need to move the conversation away a bit from tons of CO2 there as the, the main piece. And we're actually, you know, what we quite like is to talk much more about investment. If you take, you know, direct air capture, like Slimework, for example, you know, uh, like they're good friends of ours, and they, you know, obviously they don't have the scale right now, and the point is to move towards that scale. And there, you know, what you buy with your money in terms of tons is, is not that great. But, you know, luckily, there's plenty of pioneering companies out there you know, that want to invest in that. So we think it, it's much more as a company showing what you do, and that's obviously reducing, and then where you support projects that will, that maybe are right now, making a difference for the climate. And just the tons of CO2 is maybe not, the, not always the, the best indicator. And, you know, it's obviously, it's climate impact. And for us, it's also going a bit further um, because, you know, as a large company, you've emitted emissions, um, you know, for the longest time now. And obviously we also know that it's going to impact, you know, different demographics very differently. And so choose projects, you know, in terms of what the impact it can have for the climate, but I think there's also sort of a social, social component if that's in the work. And so what we do is, you know, we have our own team um, of carbon experts in-house that have been, you know, running their own climate projects and have been consulting companies on their carbon portfolios. And so it's very much strategic as a company, you know, who are you? What are your key interests? Maybe also what are your employees passionate about? What markets are you in? And, you know, it's a bit of a branding piece to find as well, right? Like you, you're having positive impact. Where do you want to have it and talk about it? Okay. But thanks for sharing that because I know it's always like a little bit like the, the gray area and everybody has his own uh, 
you know own way to to do it and uh, and sometimes you know there's like way more promise than actual fact and uh, and a little bit of uh, you know sometimes greenwashing or inefficiency into the into the process and uh, I like your approach of like thinking more in the in the long term uh, vision with uh, also a dedicated team that can ensure in a way or the the, the quality of of that too so. What are the expected uh, and current economics of uh, of Sweep? I mean, if you can share anything on that, like uh, how much does it cost to to join uh, and use uh, Sweep? What is the, the the business model that you guys have and the the, the future uh, projection? If you can tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, um, so I mean, we're a SaaS, right? Software as a service. It's online, um, and we actually, I mean, Sweep.com/pricing. It's it's all transparent there. Um, it's you know it's based on licensing, so companies buy license. It's based on um, the number of companies. and yeah, so it's it's quite straightforward. Obviously, there is you know for larger companies, we you know, sometimes there there's implementation services that we offer. Um, you know, we help them um, manage the transition, so there can be sort of professional services in addition to that. So you know, the the company that we're building and what we're focusing on is really uh, a software tool with. Sort of, you know, the the, the scalability. So, can, can you tell us a bit more and two last question before closing this uh, first part of the interview? Like uh, a bit more about your uh, competition today. I mean, we all uh, hear a lot about like uh, carbon accounting, uh, carbon management uh, companies uh, popping uh, here and there, and we see so, some of them as well uh, on our side. So. Um, Tell us about this competition today in the in the EU, the US, as you are global uh, global players. I mean, why are you guys uh, different or, or maybe better? And uh, how do you compare your solution to uh, others in the in the market? Yeah, I, I mean, I very much don't see this as as a zero sum game. And I think the fact that there is you know plenty of companies trying to tackle this now is is amazing. Right? And how it's accelerated, you know, I mean, both I think in in terms of investment um, in this company over the last um, months. But then also, you know, just, yeah, I think the, the awareness of companies and the amount of RFPs that we start to see come through now is amazing. And that, and, you know, there's not going to be one solution that fits all. Um, you know, I think there's sort of generalists and verticals and, you know, it's specializing in certain things or integrating across. Um, I think there's space for planning. And yeah, it, it's really, really good that we're all scaling. It's both that there's a real market and, and real potential. And I think in the end, I, yeah, it, it's really important that we don't think much in silos because, again, you know, it's a network piece. It's us as <laughs> a planet having to come together and figure out how to solve this. So I think, you know, between all these companies, we need to make sure that information travels, that the data can flow. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's startups, right? Like, not everybody's going to make it. <laughs> I think there's, there's space for more than one. And I, I must say, like, in terms of the real competition, I, I think... Obviously, there's certain startups um, out there that are doing really great work. Um, but then there's also, there's sort of the big players, you know, trying to see the value <laughs> um, in the market as well. And so you have, you know, the likes of Salesforce, Microsoft, um, getting really serious about this. And for us, though, in a lot of sales conversations, there is still, the, the biggest competitor still is often Excel or sort of, you know, already installed business system. Because... You know, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of a telecom company we just started working with. And they, they had this amazing pioneering guy that for 25 years now has built this amazingly elaborate spreadsheet. <laughs> and for them, you know, that's working and it's been there, um, you know, and showing them that, you know, now this won't scale. And, you know, if you want to start delegating tasks and track it, you know, 
you'll need different tooling. I think that's that's almost you know <laughs> still the, the the biggest conversation. But thanks so much for sharing all of that. So uh, last question on the on that sense, like what's next for uh, for Sweep? Um, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we we've been really lucky that we um, got to raise um, you know our Series A and, and B in, in sort of first succession, and we you know we're really focused now on our scale. And obviously, I you, you know you could sort of say you know this startup raise to to scale for the for the sake of it, <laughs> right? It's, it's, those times are maybe over now as well, actually. But I, I think in climate, you know, it's so important that we think about scale and that we think about B. And so, I mean, we've raised this money really so we can bring our tooling to as many companies out there as possible, large companies and their networks. And yeah, it's about, you know, obviously we're constantly developing the product version 1001, 1002, et cetera. <laughs> but we're also really um, expanding our sales and marketing. We've sort of been quite, you know, a little bit under the radar and we're really starting to, to shout from the rooftop. So I think this year is very much focused as well of you know, being present and being on shows like yours and and, and talk about sleep and make sure that you know, the, the world is better. So final question that I always ask to uh, to the guests here is like, what's your personal opinion on the, on the climate crisis? I mean, what would you be? What would be your words to, to people who are you know afraid of all the, the visible consequences that uh, uh, we can already feel and, and and see today? I mean, are we doomed, or what would you tell them? Um, no, we're not. We're not doomed. I, you know, I, it's been tough few weeks or tough few days. <laughs> I guess a lot of people caught you up in the states with, with the heat wave. Um, makes it really real. You know, it's scary images. Um, the reality is, yes, it, it's super serious. Right? We're, you know, the world is going to heat up, and we probably have to get used to it and think about um, mitigation and, and adaptation. But I also really, really believe um, you know, that we can you know, still change how we how we do business and how we how that impacts our planet. And so we, yeah, I mean, we're talking a lot about carbon, you know, not just as this negative thing and, you know, for companies as this compliance piece and having to get rid of it. I really believe that carbon can also be a capitalist for growth and for, for sustainable growth, right? For finding ways to innovate with your company and to become, you know, a company that's relevant in, in 50 years time still and in 100 years time. Because I think that the leading companies right now, they realize that and see this as an opportunity and, you know, not just as something negative. And that's very much, I think, how we, how we try to live in free bets at Sweep. And, you know, we're, we're optimists and we, we know it can be a force for good. We've seen it with some of our customers. We think there's a, you know, there is the scary bit and then there's this insane opportunity for us as a society to use this as, you know, kind of a good thing. And yeah, like, People like you, us, hopefully our listeners here, um, recognize that. And you, know, you can you can do things. They might be tiny, it might be big. If you know, you might think, oh, I've gone vegan, but I'm still flying. Does it matter? Every single bit matters. And you know, whatever you do <laughs> in a company, wherever you're at, in whatever department, there's probably stuff you can do in your job as well that's gonna make it. And you know, every little bit. So how can the, our listeners uh you know, investors, founders, uh, experts, like, uh, you know, employees in, uh, in different companies can, uh, can help you. Um, well, you sweep. <laughs> I think if you're an investor, you know, you've got a portfolio, you've got an amazing network. Right? You should be aware of that. You, I, you know, I think particularly investors, you know, who might be quite small companies, um, you know, can be quite nimble and quick to implement solutions, but then have, again, this massive network that's attached to them. I think that's a, that's a crazy opportunity to get the ball rolling and start, you know, pushing those dominoes and 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, as I said, you know, we, we know that this is a network piece. This is about collaboration. This is about doing things together. So, you know, we're very much also, you know, here to be part of a community and, and learn from each other. And so, yeah, if you're inclined, um, reach out to us. Maybe there's things we can do together to accelerate. Any question that uh, I did not ask you that I should have for this uh, first part of the show? Um, no, I mean, obviously, <laughs> we, we love talking about this. There, there's a million things we could go into into more depth. But, but yeah, I, you know, we know we're off track at the moment. Um, you know, as a planet, as companies, we can get back on track. Um, you know, it's fooling its people. And yeah, I mean, just keep pushing and fight for, for a better future. Thank you so much, uh, Raphael, for your for your time, your uh, you know powerful insights on the uh, on the industry. Uh, I'm excited to see again a brilliant uh, person taking the the steps into a you know a better world, cleaner world, and putting all the time and effort that is uh, necessary to uh, help and empower others to do it. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Guillaume, for giving us a voice and you know helping helping build. We we all have our part. Hi, it's Guillaume again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, do not hesitate to share an episode with a friend. Also, if you value the work we do for the climate ecosystem, here is how you can contribute to it. Today, I'm asking for your support and a donation or sponsorship to make the work of our self-funded team more viable. Even a small contribution means a lot to us. In any case, I will invite you to subscribe to our channels and visit our website startupbasecamp.org to discover more episodes like this one and get your membership to access all our members' exclusive content. So remember, all of this is possible because of your support and donation. And we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. Let's keep in touch and I hope you will enjoy our next show with us.